My name is Christy Duff, and I have a passion for the Word of God. I've seen the way that a daily dose of the one-year Bible has changed my life, and I know that it can change, affect, and impact every day we live. Well, happy day, sweet friends, and I pray that this podcast finds you just enjoying who God is and pressing into his presence and so in love with him and just feeling showered with his blessings and his presence today. And, you know, really, I've been thinking so much about that diligence, that pressing in that God calls us to in multiple places in the Bible. And really, the one-year Bible has had so much to say about the diligent rhythm that his priests were supposed to possess within their lives. And we've been in Exodus, and he's setting it up with Moses and telling him what he wants the priests to do and what they're to wear and what they're to have on their heads and their shoulders and knees and toes. Just kidding. Well, actually, they were supposed to have blood on their toes, so just I don't know about their knees. (laughs) But, you know, just the the way, the order that God set it all up in. And he says to Moses over and over in the book of Exodus, as it was shown to you on the mountain, and then all the different versions, carry it out, make it, do it, complete it. And really just that that heart of ministry, that heart of serving people, serving this world, drawing near to God, all of that is to flow out of what God shows us in our private personal time with him. Moses was supposed to draw near to God, to come away with God, to climb that mountain like we talked about last time. And then all of that, all that God showed him, was what he was supposed to carry out then with the people. And there was a specific way. There were specific ways that the, that the priests were to, to call God to meet with his people. And, you know, I, I was thinking as I was reading this morning that there was such a diligence that was called for. And I want to make sure that I'm clear that in no way do I think that we can manufacture the presence of God or that we earn salvation by doing what God tells us to do. But I do think that there's a place to recognize within the word of God that though we can't manufacture the presence of God, there is a call for us to make space for him in our lives to meet us in that these priests they were to make a veil they were basically making the holy of holies they were making a room where the presence of god would fill that place they were to make an altar where sacrifices would go on the altar and praise god that jesus is our sacrifice i don't know about you but i read about everything that the priests had to do and i mean goodness i don't think that i could keep all those orders even straight in my head as far as what they were supposed to do with what and how they were supposed to do it and when they were supposed to do it i am just not that much of a detailed 
oriented role follower to begin with. But, you know, then also you think about everything that they had to touch, the animals that they had to kill, the entrails that they had to hold. And I'm grateful for the perfect sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, for his perfect blood that has cleansed us and saved us and pardoned us once for all. But I do still think that there's a place where in the same way that these priests had to make an altar, make a veil to to tend the lamps, to continue to pour the oil of the pressed olives, the pounded olives, depending on the translation that you're reading. And oh goodness, what a picture that is of the pure oil of the Holy Spirit that is developed in us as we are pressed, as we are pounded by the trials of this world. But just thinking about the place that they set apart, set aside, created, again, not to manufacture the presence of God, but to have a place set aside to meet God with, to have him work in, to have him fill his presence. And, you know, we're called to the same type of thing, to be still and to know that he's God, to come away, to be washed in the water of his word, to to jump into the rivers of living water, the torrents of his presence, of his spirit that he wants to fill our lives with. It's that, it's that coming away, that meeting with God, that that sanctifying moment where we set something aside, time in our lives, a place, a, a method, whatever it might be, to say, God, this is time set aside for you. That yes, we can run into his throne room to obtain grace for a time of need at any time of the day, but to make that our habit, to make sure that we have time set aside in prayer, time set aside at the altar as living sacrifices, to have time set aside going behind the veil, whatever that means to partake in his presence. And, you know, we see that so much in the book of Matthew this week in the one-year Bible as well. Just that idea of there being a diligence, of knowing that us on our own, we don't tend toward closeness with God. That there's a diligence that, again, not that we can manufacture his presence, but that we make room for his presence, make time for his presence. There's a diligence over and over in the book of Matthew this week. Jesus talks about it. He's talking about in the days of Noah, how they were just all swept away by doing what they wanted to do, doing what they felt like doing. And then his instruction right after that, he says to keep awake then. He goes on to say, hold yourselves ready, therefore. He talks about the trusty servant who diligently is, is managing his household because his master will come at a time where he's not expecting. He goes on to talk about the, the sweet little 10 virgin girls who had their lamps and five were ready, five were waiting with an extra surplus of oil ready to hear the bridegroom's voice but five of them just 
kind of thought that they would be ready without taking a diligence, taking measure to make sure that they were prepared. And at the end of telling that story, Jesus says, keep awake then, for you never know the day or the hour. And then he goes on to talk about servants that were entrusted according to their capacity, which, oh, we could talk about that for days, couldn't we? But the servants who who worked hard to, to reproduce, to replicate, to, to double what they had been entrusted with as opposed to the lazy servant who just thought, well, I'm just going to bury it because at least then he'll have back what he had. There wasn't a diligence. There wasn't a, a sowing of what he had been given. There was a diligence that was called for. And then today as well, in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is talking with the disciples and the cross is coming soon. And they didn't quite understand that, even though I don't know about you, but I read that and I'm thinking, he's so plain. He's so clear. How can they not understand it? And yet we know us where blindsided and hard-hearted and you know just don't always get what Jesus is trying to say to us and so he takes him into the garden of Gethsemane and he says sit here while I go over there to pray and his heart was broken and we read in Luke's account that he was sweating great drops of blood and just this heartbreaking moment that just wrecks me every time I read it And he comes back to the disciples, and you know the story, that they've fallen asleep when they should be praying. That because of this moment, they're not ready. That Peter picks up his sword and lops off ears, and the disciples flee. And maybe it would have been different had they been diligent in prayer. And he says to them a verse that I think all of us know He says, stay awake and pray because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, we can't manufacture the presence of God, but I think that God makes it so clear in his word that on our own, we tend toward apathy. On our own, we tend toward complacency, that there's a place in our relationship with God that calls for diligence, that, yeah, we're saved, and yes, we're headed to heaven, and the priests, whether they were diligent or not, God was going to meet with his people. And yet in the perfect design, a veil was made to draw near to the presence in the Holy of Holies. An altar was made to keep them cleansed from sin and washed Lamps were tended to be a constant light for the nation of Israel and for those who would see his temple, his tabernacle, that there was always a light burning. He was always ready to meet with his people, that even their clothes were to remind them that God had a heart 
for his people, that they were to bear their names on their heart and bear their burdens on their shoulders and to have his blood on their thumbs and their toes and their foreheads and their thoughts and their hands and their feet, their paths, their actions, that there was a constant awareness of the holiness of God, of the presence of God, of the thereness of God. That Jesus in the New Testament, he calls for a diligence within us, a watchfulness. And I don't think that he would say so much for us to keep awake if there wasn't a truth to the fact that we fall asleep easily. That even when we're awake, we tend toward daydreaming. I don't, have you ever gotten somewhere driving in your car and just kind of thought, oh my goodness, I don't remember driving. Have you ever done that? Like you just kind of get there on autopilot, not really thinking about it. And somehow, and you're just praising God thinking, thank you, Jesus, that I wasn't in an accident because I really don't remember driving. On our own, whether awake in our eyes, awake in spirit or not, there's a tend towards sleepiness. There's a tendency toward apathy. And so it was just on my heart today to call us to be awake and to be diligent. And, you know, the priests, they had things written about holiness to the Lord all over the place. And, you know, I know chalkboards aren't as maybe popular and Pinterest wide as they were a few years ago. But I think I was just having a, a call to diligence this week to to start writing again verses and phrases that God puts on my heart on my chalkboards, on index cards, to keep in the car, to keep around the house, to keep in my kitchen, to keep near me so that I stay awake because I would like to think that I would just naturally stay awake because God has been so good and he's done so much and his presence has filled me and he's been so kind and he saved me. I would love to think, wow, all of that, I'm just naturally awake for you, Jesus. But clearly... The God who made us, the God who designed us, knows that awakeness is not our normal. It's not our normal standard temperature setting that we fall asleep. And so what is it today that we can do to stay awake, to be diligent, to press into prayer, to press into his presence so that it doesn't become routine, so that it doesn't become a fire that dies down, so that it doesn't become a love that grows cold. I'm just praying that God will wake us up and show us ways that we can be diligent. And you know, right now, um, while I'm doing this podcast, I'm drinking this tea and it's my favorite tea ever. And it's called A Thousand and One Nights. And I don't even know how to say the brand. It's T-C-H-A-B-A, Kaba. I don't know. Um, we had it in a hotel in the country of Jordan when Jason and I were just there recently. And I fell in love with this tea. It is just the best tea I've ever had. 
And I thought, oh, I want to buy some before we leave this place. And having no idea that we were about to cross over into Israel and war would break out and things would get wild. And Jason is just the best and sweetest husband ever. So sorry for all of you out there who are married to guys that you think are the greatest. Sorry, they're not. Jason is. And he found a store in Jordan that carried this tea and it was far more expensive than I ever would have bought for myself. And he walked three miles, three and a half miles in the country of Jordan. We were in Amman and it was a store that was hard to find. And of course he couldn't read any of the signs and it took him about six hours to be able to walk to the store, find the tea, buy it, and walk back to the hotel. And he bought me 30 tea bags. And I think today I'm drinking my second one because it's just so special to me. And I want every tea bag to mean so much to remind me that he's the greatest and he's the best. And I have a husband who loves me. And, you know, whether you have a husband who would walk three miles in Amman, Jordan for you or not. We have a God who has done so much more. And, you know, when Jason bought those tea bags, I thought, oh, I just never want to get mad at him again because he's so great. And, you know, life happens and marriage happens. And I've definitely been mad at him a time or two since we got back from Jordan. I wish I hadn't been, but oh, well, it's life, it's marriage. And, you know, we can see everything that God does for us. And we think, oh, I'm just going to be eternally grateful and I'm just going to have a like flaming red hot love for Jesus constantly. And I would love to say that that's the case, but you know, sometimes we just need to draw aside to drink a cup of tea in the presence of Jesus, to remember how much intentionally remember how much he's done for us to intentionally keep awake, to make a journal of all the great things he's done, to write a prayer book to him about how thankful we are that we're saved, to write verses down of things that he's spoken to our hearts, to intentionally turn on worship and sing songs to him when maybe we would want to do something else. Because we don't naturally stay awake. And so this is just my prayer for us today, is that whatever that means to you, to me, that every day we would pray to be filled with oil, to have lamps tended, to be behind the veil of the presence of God, knowing that it's such a privilege to be on the altar as living sacrifices, to be diligent, to stay awake in prayer because our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. Precious ones, I just pray that today we would intentionally have eyes open, minds open, hearts open to the wild love of God that has gone through greater lengths than we could ever imagine to save us, to love us, and to someday bring us home in his presence. Thanks for listening and tuning in to the Growing in the Sun podcast. Don't miss out. Subscribe, and I'll see you here next time. Let your words burn deep in my